Welcome to episode 11, I think, of Legal Fiction. Uh, Spencer, how has your last couple weeks been going? Oh, fantastic, man. I went uh, and played mini golf yesterday. Putt-putt. Putt-putt is a genius innovation because it is a way to play golf without spending lots of money and wasting lots of time hating yourself. Uh, it, the only way that I like really golf anymore, if yeah. I ever go. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if I uh, had a job that gave me more time for luxury, <laughs> like, like, listen, golf is a, when you're not a natural athlete like me, uh, I can't speak, say the same for you, Joe, but uh, no. it takes a, it's, it's an expensive game to get good at. Oh. So like, uh, putt-putt is just a better use of a Sunday with some friends and uh, yeah, you know, beat the front nine, beat the back <laughs> nine, uh, pretty, uh, be happy about it what about you man well i should say before i i went to law school i worked in sales and i think that was the last time that i ever golfed because that's just like what you do when you're in sales Mm -hmm. and i think literally now that i think that like when i had that job was the last time i did actual golfing um Here's, here's one thing i hate about the whole like work golf balance thing is like I've mentioned it multiple times or somehow golf has come up in conversation with acquaintances or people I know. And they're like, Oh, well, you must golf a lot. You're a lawyer. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like, like, fuck you. Like, it's like, like yeah, we're, we're lawyers, but we like just graduated from law school within the last like three years. So we don't golf. Like we're in the basement. Yeah. So here's how it goes. So the partner mid fifties, uh, he or she golfs, uh, you know, on a Tuesday or Thursday afternoon with clients. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Uh, and maybe some of them bill for that. I don't even know how that works. But, you know, <laughs> client development, Strategy quote unquote. Session, yeah, client it, development. Yeah, let's talk about your case and, uh, you know, crack some cocktails over 18. <laughs> Screw it. Uh, yeah, not not uh, for lowly uh, peons like you, yourself and, and me. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like for me, let's see, last weekend, I or two two weekends ago, um, went to Denver. That was a lot of fun. Um, and it also made me really fucking hate living in the Midwest because now I'm back where it's like feels like 103 or something with humidity. And like literally it was the same temperature when we were in Denver, but it felt amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever I've been there in really warm periods and they're like, oh, it's hot. I'm like, well, yeah, but that's a straight heat. Like, get over yourselves. Like, oh, I was like walking around wearing like a long sleeve shirt and everyone else was like in like tank tops and shorts. I'm like, this is like, I could honestly probably put on a jacket right now. And, and like, I, I, I came back home and I was immediately just like, yeah, I want to go take a nap. This fucking sucks. Isn't it that wonderful feeling when you get back from somewhere nice and you get back to? <laughs> And you get back to the flyover states, like, and you step out of the plane, and it's just like, especially oh, if it's if, if it's not a terminal, and they just open the doors and you step out, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, as soon as I got yeah. on that the bridge to walk into the uh, uh, into the airport, I was just like, yep, I already feel the humidity. I did while I was there. I was like, what's a house go for out here in Denver? Oh, that's right, I can never move here. Okay, nope, nope. Uh, unless you want to drive two hours back and forth <laughs> to work you know I mean, even then uh, uh, but uh in other other news uh, spencer and i are recording this in between our 
uh, worm shits because we're both on the ivermectin uh, regimen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how's your dose going for you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, the bowel movements have gotten a little bit more predictable, so that's <laughs> good. Uh, you know, I have developed a taste for oats and carrots. Uh, you know, I was told this might happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I've been informed if I do break my leg, they're just going to shoot me. <laughs> Not because I'm a horse, but because there's no room at any hospital to <laughs> my broken leg. Yeah, so like, hey, you go to the ICU because I broke my leg. Like, ah, well. So, I mean, I, yeah, obviously, like, every time I see one of those stories, like, I laugh, but good God. Good God, this world. All I'll say is, uh, you know, in the news, there's plenty of news about various right-wing radio hosts who've succumbed. <laughs> yeah, if, who've succumbed you know, to if COVID. Pod- I've, I've yet to see a, a, a left-wing podcaster go down. Uh, so <laughs> I'm just saying, if this podcast doesn't start making a lot of money soon, I might just start the grip, man. There's a lot of jobs open right now. I mean, if we can maintain a relative degree of anonymity, I'll double dip <laughs> on that. Yeah, yeah, let's go. I can spew. I can spew with the with the worst of them. Yeah, let's go. Uh, speaking of also really just weird optics, I don't know if you, you never played Fortnite, right? No, oh, God, no. Uh, so I, I played it a little bit. Uh, I played more like Warzone and now Valorant, but yeah, you, I know. Did, did you see I remember. this? Uh, <laughs> this uh story about the mlk speech in Fortnite. i saw twitter reacting to it and then i realized wait it's Fortnite. i immediately know it's stupid no matter the stakes and then i moved on with my life i don't know how anyone thought this was a good idea so like a tldr of it basically was they thought we'll have uh players be able to experience the historic march on washington and the mlk speech but it's like everyone dressed up as like a cowboy or a banana or like the joker and they're doing like emotes and dancing in the washington pool like while mlk's projected on the wall like doing his famous i have a dream speech like what there was even screenshots of like you could like do like kind of a walk through like type of museum and one of them was like experiencing a separated bathroom. So there was like bathrooms that said whites and coloreds. And it's just like, what PR person thought that this was a good way to like market uh, Fortnite? You know, I've got some other historical moments I would like to get uh, your various Fortnite players uh, involved in and forced to experience. Uh, you know, let's go back up. Uh, you know, the potato fan of it. That sounds fun. Uh, drop them in their goofy skins uh, and force them to dig a mud hut without any food or sustenance and see how long that goes. Maybe the Bataan Death March. They can go on a march to the northern peninsula of the Philippines. The Fortnite My Lai Massacre experience. Oh, I think I think most of your Fortnite players would actually be fine with that. Oh, that's like that's probably already a level in Call of Duty, to be honest. Yes. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You don't get that on Call of Duty. You got to join the military after that <laughs> using that recruiter hotline that gives you a 10% yeah. off your boot camp. You do uh, the, the no Russian uh, mission and it's like, you want to do this for real? Hey, man, uh, 
you know, you'll get half a Camaro paid for. So that's <laughs> cool. Uh, Camaro at thirty percent interest. Yeah. Uh, speaking of also just really <clears throat> politically impactful moves, have you listened to Donda that it's out now? You mean the new Kanye West thing? The new Kanye West album. I think it's like thirty-eight songs or something, or twenty-eight. Maybe I can't remember. It's kind of stupidly long, but. Yeah, you know, if I just wanted to listen to a mentally ill man make music, I could just go for a walk downtown and <laughs> I'll come across enough. I, I just, yeah. I, I've, I've done two listen throughs and it's just okay, in my opinion. It's still a lot of like his last album, Jesus is King, where it's like there's a lot of Christian influence. There's some early Kanye stuff, but unfortunately the best stuff on it is the stuff that, Kanye's not doing it. It's like the features are the best part. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, what? I, I was having this thought when I was, again, choosing not to listen to this, but knowing how bad it is. I <laughs> uh, just thought to myself, you know, it must be really shitty to be you know, an up and coming, you know, hip hop artist or, you know, being in the rap game, being part of the scene uh, and having to keep your mouth shut about it sucking. Like just <laughs> having to just bite your tongue because, like you're right you're right and most of your peers would be like like on the dl like yeah dude yeah yeah it's it's garbage uh he's totally over the hill and he's kind of he's kind of out there but he will destroy you he still is a power broker and you know loyalists will come out and even your you know i, I mean it's just a poor business dish decision to speak truth to power in that situation and that sucks because uh it's trash i can't think of a i can't think of a Okay, uh, spoiler, I tend to listen to more like quote unquote rock music over hip hop. I know that's crazy, uh, but I can't think of a rock music parallel to Kanye in the last 20 or 30 years of just like brilliance, genius, and then like still maintained a very dominant sort of like pop cultural or social media like still controlled the conversation people still were listening even when it was objectively not only a bad product but they're like this guy's losing it you know i just can't think of a rock parallel i mean maybe i'm not trying hard enough you know what that tells me that tells me that you are not active on the trap facebook pages (laughs) not anymore man not anymore (laughs) i gave that i I gave it up uh speaking of more fun news though. I have not seen it yet, but the new Candyman is out. I mean, it's getting really good reviews. I haven't had time just because I was in Denver and then moving stuff. But uh, in preparation, I did rewatch the old one and God, that movie fucking rules. Yeah, I uh, saw that I get it for free on one of my weird streaming services that comes with my TV that I can get the sequel, the second one. Uh, farewell to the flesh farewell to the flesh yeah. and you know I was hanging out with the girlfriend uh, a few nights because like oh let's watch that she goes no i'm gonna watch the first one i'm like well i mean you could like <laughs> we can that's fine but let's just watch this one now for free i swear it's better and i actually think it is uh but so like I then that, but all right. <laughs> well i i think it's scarier but uh, we can move on uh, there, uh, but i also am incredibly biased because that was my first like experience with oh, okay Okay. You know, so that was, I thought its backstory was much more expansive and that much more terrifying than just like the random Caprini green, like throw well, out. Like, it's weird because in every single movie, it's, I understand seeing it in the second one first because every single movie they explain his backstory 
that like if you saw it in the first one and then you see it in the second one, you're like, I already know this. And then you see it in the third one, you're like, I already know this and the third one kind of sucks. So I don't need well, it. Yeah, but they change it up a little bit, which speaks to sort of, I can't tell if it's lazy screenwriting or if it's, they're trying to make a point about oral histories and myths generally. I'm going to guess it's the former more than the latter, but. Uh, yeah. So I'm really excited to go see, it's getting really good reviews, the new one, and it's doing like a cool, it's tied to Caprini Green and all that, so it's, uh, I'll be excited to see what it's like because it's getting really good stuff. Well, it's a scary fucking franchise, scary movie. I'm looking forward to it, man. But speaking of scary movies, what do we got dialed up for this week, Joseph? So this week, it is summer's winding down. So we thought that we would take a nice little trip up to Cape Fear. with this fella. I was his lawyer. But you shafted him somehow, right? And what was he in prison for? No, really. What, but what did you do? Have you been following me? Well, it's a small town. Every way you turn, I guess we're going to run into each other. <laughs> Dad, you should have just punched him out. Yeah, you know how to fight dirty. You do that for a living. This guy, uh, he threatened you? He's clever. So that the law can't touch him. Come out, come out, wherever you are. <laughs> You have a daughter around 16? 16? What? Every good man's gotta wrestle with the devil. I want you the hell off my property! You, sir, will be hearing from the ethics committee. We got this freaking psychopath in our faces. I mean, who knows what's true and what isn't? I'm just losing my mind here. I called the vet, and then he died. Lee, I told you not to let him out. I didn't let him out! I didn't let him out! It would be unethical of me to advise a citizen to take the law into his own hands. You thought about me last night, didn't you? Evening, ladies. Hello. I think we're alone now. Where are you from? I'm from the Black Forest. Maybe I'm a big bad wolf. Do you mind if I put my arm around you? music it's it's a really good score because it just like it gets in you right away so big fear 1991 movie starring robert de niro uh nick nolte jessica lang juliette lewis uh joe don baker who damn uh, right joe don baker who is a guy that i was just like man i fucking know that guy and i look i'm like oh it's uh that's brandy's dad from joe dirt um (laughs) He's in and, fucking everything. Man. Oh, he's one of those guys who's just like a, a working actor, like just mm-hmm. in a ton of stuff. 
Um, and then actually has cameos from like uh, all the or major stars from the last one, Mitchum, Peck, and Martin Paulson. Well, yeah, and- so uh, listeners may not appreciate that Cape Fear from Scorsese's in 91 was a remake of yes. a black and white from 62 with, you know, as the aforementioned Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum. Uh, this one's a little bit more intense. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, and it itself was based on a book too back in the 50s. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so the movie, it dives right in, uh, starts off with we meet uh Robert De Niro, who is Max Cady, I believe is how you say his name in this, in this movie. Max Cady. Max uh, Cady. He is uh, in his cell on the day of his release or parole or whatever it may be. Um, he has been doing his own legal education. As you can see, I wrote down like what a nerd reading legal books. But then I was like, but honestly, this dude could kick the shit out of me just, just- already by seeing him. <laughs> Listen, he knows he's minutes away from release and he is still like fucking up. <laughs> Getting like, a pump bare, on. Bare knuckle push-ups, like tatted up with just the scariest images you could imagine. Oh, just pure prison tats, like put in with a ballpoint pen and needle. Yeah, like. not not cool tats, like, oh, this <laughs> these are about pain and revenge. Okay. Yeah. And, and he's also got like a bunch of, I think it was kind of hard to tell but I think he's got like photos of like Mao or Stalin and like various black <laughs> yeah, white photos like just does. hanging up of other political like dissident thing. I don't know. Uh, he's, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know what they're really going for, but he just has kind of like a whole array. They ask him like, do you want these books? And he's like, I already read them. Uh, he's, like the, he's like the exact opposite of Andy Dufresne. In there. <laughs> like, like the exact opposite prisoner. Uh, so then we go and we meet um, the other main character in this case, which is Sam Bowden, played by Nick Nolte, uh, pre- uh, Midwest boy, Nick Nolte. I think he's from Nebraska originally. Uh, yeah, yeah, he looks ang- like angry enough and like throbbing vain enough to be a Nebraska <laughs> fan. I can see him screaming at Scott Frost. Yeah, he was screaming this last weekend like, Illinois, Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious. Uh, but it takes place in North Carolina. Um, uh, Sam Bowden is, he was a public defender, but now he's just some sort of private lawyer. I can't remember exactly what his uh, yeah, job that's is. About right. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, he's just working for some firm. Uh, mm-hmm. We also see, we have a crossover from a movie that we previously watched. Do you know Yes, what? we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> that motherfucking God's Not Dead 2 will not Fred leave Thompson! me alone. <laughs> Fred, Fred Thompson! That's, Fred Thompson, that's former Senator, Senator Fred Thompson. Thompson to you, sir. Senator and one-time presidential frontrunner for the GOP. Yeah. Yeah. Or, well, not frontrunner, but he was the dark horse to become yeah. the frontrunner. And then people realized that Fred Thompson's just kind of slow and tired and lazy <laughs> and like just wanted to have some barbecue and some meet some people and just take yeah. a hang up. And this he was, is fine. Was he Tennessee Senator? Yeah, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, 
and I that came after you know his his revived career launched and you know or wait yeah. or did it precede it long I don't, I don't sure. remember I, I think it's like I think it all interchanges really because he's done yeah. stuff since then too yeah uh, God, that man is a that man is the American dream yeah I mean well rest in peace to him too but uh yeah I'm not gonna speak <laughs> ill of the dead but uh he so yeah he is at first, I thought he was a client, but I think he's also another attorney at this firm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because they like no, leave, did. and they talk about like, let me get your son on the line to talk about this case. But at the then, he mentions the firm that he works at, and it's Broadbent, which is Fred Thompson's last name. So I'm like, I think he's like the partner at this firm, and McNulty works for him. Yeah, small town loft shop doesn't you get the fear or small city I should say yeah very so, folksy feel yes we also meet um his wife Queen Jessica Lang looking great as always uh I don't really know what her career she seems like some sort of like marketing or like she's in advertising yeah, yeah she's in advertising back when like that kind of work was done literally like with you know colored pencils and like pens. yeah 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 and uh, but I don't know. She actually struck me as a as a true pro. She gave a shit about her job. Uh, I mean, she averaged about you know three cigarettes every ten minutes. Oh my gosh! Minutes, but like like the smoking in this movie is you know noticeable. It's, it's one of the best smoking movies out there. Which we get to the iconic, in my opinion, cigar scene, which it's been imitated in a lot of other ones. Uh, most notably for me and uh, the Simpsons. But uh, mm-hmm. the, he's smoking, just laughing his ass off. Max Katie is in this theater that they're all seeing. And they're watching. It, they're watching Problem Child from Nathan <laughs> Annie Wood, which Steve is like, Martin. <laughs> no, no, that's not Steve Martin. Is that wait? Is that John Ritter. John, oh, Ritter. John Ritter. I'm sorry. John Ritter. What am oh. I thinking of? Uh, okay. You're thinking of the jerk, uh, <laughs> or yeah, I don't know, or you or Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, maybe like. I don't know. I don't know. This is problem child with that dumb, dumb redhead kid who likes. Oh, I know what I'm thinking of. I'm terrorized. Thinking of parenthood. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. That, Sorry. I was looking that up while you're talking. Okay. Yes. So they're watching problem child and he's, uh, he's laughing his ass off and he doesn't actually confront him. He like goes to, and he's just like, ah, whatever, let's just leave. Um, but while they're leaving, the, it's like their first kind of interaction because one of the clerks says like, oh, your stuff's all paid for by that guy over there. And he looks at him, he's kind of like, I do I know that guy? Mm-hmm. I don't, like, it, there's, right now, Nick Nolte's not really putting it together. Uh, he then sees him later, like just in a parking lot or something, because it's like, uh, De Niro walks up and steals his keys right out of his car. And well, he, he, just, he rolls up, he rolls up and uh, says something from his car and he like 
because he spots Nick Nolte walking with that young court clerk, that young, attractive court clerk. Ileana says, Douglas, yes. Yep, yep, who's a who's a Scorsese's favorite. She's got a nice bit role in Goodfellas. They, they uh, dated for a time. They were dating at the time that this movie came out. Oh, okay. Well, that makes some sense then. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, uh, yeah, this, if you haven't seen it yet, first of all, go watch it. But second of all, this is, takes place in the South. I have it pegged at like South or North Carolina, like around it says, there. It says North Carolina on Wikipedia, but it's very much like <clears throat> the Carolinas. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it, it's old South and, uh, you know, Max Keedy rolls up uh, looking, uh, I mean, he's got a captain's hat and a Hawaiian <laughs> his, shirt. I mean, his style in this movie, it's pretty it, good. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It, it's, uh, it holds up better than a lot of the other styles, actually. Uh, and he rolls up and he gives the old classic, uh, wow, that lady's uh, looks so good. Uh, you know, that a good dog would break its leash kind of thing. And Nick Nolan's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Do I know you? Oh, yeah, I know you from, you were the asshole at the movie the other night. He's like, yeah. oh, that's all how you remember me, counselor? <laughs> Yeah, so he kind of gives him a little refresher and he's just like, okay, whatever, I'll see you later. And as he's leaving, he says, you're going to learn about loss. And he's like, what was that? He's like, nothing. And so he leaves. Well, what's the, okay, I think it's important for us to, for this narrative podcast to set down, how do they know each other, Joe? So we learned later uh, through Nick Nolte explaining and the back and forth between Rob Janeiro that. Rob Jr., the reason he just got released is he was in prison for the last 14 years for the brutal rape and battery of a 16-year-old girl. Nick Nolte was his defense lawyer, public defender, I believe, assigned to this case. Mm-hmm. And he found a report that the, uh, the victim was promiscuous by mm-hmm. apparently like old world standards because they say later, and I think I wrote it down, <laughs> They're like she had three lovers in one month and i was like holy shit call the police like that's, <laughs> i was like maybe this is just a different time but when i when he said that i i like laughed i'm like that's the promiscuity that we're like that well, could have gotten him off or gotten it like lightened on his sentence well and to that let me uh let me yield your lily there joe uh <laughs> chance chance to get law nerdy here so this speaks to a time when rape victims sexual assault victims it was tough to carry forward one of these cases because not only were cops and prosecutors more and more skeptical just because of you know you know inherent uh sexism and disbelief of the woman i was like oh she's just mad about something kind of shit uh the law like the rules of evidence would just allow you to beat the shit out of a woman on the stand it's a fairly recent sort of like evidence rules now where like that stuff doesn't come in. Yeah, like like Congress, said, yeah, Congress got involved and passed the federal rape shield law, which said like, hey, federal courts, you have to make a rule where you can't cross-examine or grill a, you know, a complainant, a, a victim about their past sexual history, save for a few exceptions one is like uh, whether it regards to consent and the other is like mistake it's like you know like i mean there's a few other ones but like but back then like they would just like drag women through the mud just like that's oh just yeah it was it very worked. much the era of like what were you wearing how much did you have to drink what, uh-huh. did you lead them on like very not much to, like yeah that not sort to, of way not to say that it's easy for no. <laughs> for someone to come forward with, no, with a rape no. or sexual assault charge now but there's at least some like basic rules being like, 
like looking at the defendant's counsel be like dude you can't be that big of a dick sorry <laughs> like i'm sorry like yeah but uh i i digress that's some uh uh rules of evidence both federal and state for you so yes so they um there's some interaction uh the shot that i really liked here in between nick nolte and his wife later when he's like yeah i defend him back in the day like he was illiterate i had to read him everything so like i don't think he even knows but what Mm -hmm. i thought was really cool about this shot and i confirmed it when i looked up later on wikipedia is there's these diopter shots that they use where Nick Nolte's like right up on the camera and okay. just and Jessica Lang is in the background, but they're both yeah. focused on and sometimes it'll switch focus in between. And that's a really old camera technique um, that sometimes they're using one, sometimes they're using two, I think, to do it. But it's a, it's a uh, technique that Hitchcock used all the time. So that was something uh. Scorsese did to kind of like be like, see, I'm paying homage to, Scors- or to Hitchcock who did this first. So I just thought that was cool. Um, But uh, they then, there's another confrontation later where at this point, Katie just pulls up in his own car to him. Afternoon, counselor. What do you want, Mr. Katie? They're great at that age, ain't they? All those discoverers ahead of them? You're lucky, counselor. My own daughter, she don't even know me. After I went inside, her mama told her I was dead, which, in a way, I was. Look, Mr. Kay, I, I realize that you suffer. I mean, <laughs> I, I understand your problem, but, uh, I mean, why me? Look, I was your lawyer. I defended you. I mean, why not badger the DA or the judge? <laughs> badger. Yeah, well, why not then? Yeah, why not badger. then? Badger. Best I remember, they was just doing right by their jobs. Oh, I didn't do my job. Is that right? Look, I, I pleaded you out to a lesser included offense. You could have gotten rape instead of battery. Oh, I'd have been up for parole either way in seven years, according to the Georgia Penal Code. Rape is a capital offense. I mean, you know, you could have gotten life, you could have done death, you could be sitting on death row right now. I learned to read during my stretch. First, Spot goes through the farm, then runaway bunny, then law books mostly. Did you know that after I discharged you, I acted as my own attorney? Applied several times for an appeal. No, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, here we are. Two lawyers, for all practical purposes, talking shop. All right, how much do you want, Mr. Katie? How much do I want what? How much money do you want? Money? Counselor, do I look destitute to you? Well, I'm open to discussion within reasonable limits. You ever been a woman? What? A woman. Some fat, hairy, ugly hillbilly's wet dream. Look, I realize that you suffered in prison. There's no question suffering. You don't know what suffering is, Counselor. Like it says in Galatians 3, have you suffered so many things in vain? Yeah, I learned from the get-go in the joint to get in touch with the soft, nurturing side of myself, the feminine side. Well, I'm, 
open to some sort of discussion on compensation. Well, what shall be my compensation, sir, for being held down sodomized by four white guys or four black guys? Shall my compensation be the same? What is the formula for compensation, sir? Well, how about $10,000 in cash? Do I? Well, let's just break that down. No, no, no. Well, let's wait, just wait, break it no, down. You see, that figure just yeah. came to the top. Well, of let's head. just say, for argument's sake, let's say twenty thousand. Let's say thirty thousand. Say, I tell you what, let's say fifty thousand. Fifty thousand to fourteen years. Fourteen years times three hundred sixty-five days is about, I say, about five thousand days. Now you divide that by fifty thousand, and that's uh, that's like ten dollars a day. <laughs> That's not even minimum wage. To say nothing about the family that I lost, the respect that I lost. I don't think you really, really understand what we're talking about here. 14 years. Whoops. Oh, oh. Gotta get. I'm late for another appointment. And he's just like, lays it out. He's like, you know, I read. I learned how to read when I was in jail. I gave myself a legal education. He calls himself a lawyer, which I was like, did he take the bar? But uh, he, he said, he's like, I tried to even appeal my own case. Um, he's like, and he brings up basically that he knows everything. And Nick Nolte is like, okay, how about $10,000 and you leave yeah. me and my family alone? I'll pay you ten thousand dollars cash, which is in 1991 money. That's some good money, <laughs> yeah. like, to be fair. And Max Katie does break it down. And he's like, okay, let's say like $50,000. I break that down. That's like $10 a day. That's less than minimum wage. He's like, is that really worth my time? And he brings up, he's like, no, I'm not after money. Like basically saying like, I'm after you. So there's just more of him messing with them. Uh, the dog gets killed. We, Which kind of came out of nowhere, but it's yeah. like very quick. It was a very yeah. quick step to start off with in terrorizing uh -huh. the family. I thought, like, that's his first thing that he does is he kills the family dog, poisons uh, it. Granted, it's never confirmed that he kills the dog, but it was him. Uh, he also sits on their property line to watch them, so it's not technically like breaking and entering their property or trespassing or yeah or anything like that then like so i was like okay he has studied a little bit of like how to be an okay criminal here um and he, this whole the whole time uh, nick nolte like while this like harassment uh progresses he's like going to you know he, i mean he's going to fred thompson being like well what am i going to do about this fred thompson's like well he he's respecting the property line that's not that's not yeah, anything he's not breaking the law he goes to the he goes to the cops played by Robert Mitchum. Yes. Uh, and, and he's just like, well, you know, uh, I can't arrest someone because you think they're going to do something. Like, I need a little bit more than that. Yeah, because right? he's like, what evidence do you have that he, he killed the dog? He's like, I just, I know it was him. It's like, that's not enough. He does also give Nick Nolte just some advice on how he could kill Max Katie, though, too, which I was like... <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, a cop giving that out to someone. Hmm. Like, well, and what a stretch. Well, and and uh, Nick Nolte's uh, turned like, well, I'm a servant of the law. <laughs> I, I respect the law. I can't. And the cop goes, okay. 
I wasn't <laughs> suggesting uh, anything. Uh, I wasn't suggest. Everyone just sort of throws up their hands. Hey, no, no. Whoa, whoa, oh, who's no. saying that? Yeah. yeah, there's laws and rules of ethics here. Like the rules of ethics for attorneys is a recurring, like, uh, you know. Uh, yes, that's yeah, a bigger part of this one. Um, he uh, he then he doesn't he uh, doesn't actually say anything but he's just watching him at a like i think it's a fourth of july parade because this all takes place over the summer mm -hmm. uh, which i had to point out is it like because we're in north carolina but there's a lot of confederate flags at this fourth of july parade and i was like that's not the north carolina flag like there's nothing with the confederate like flag in the north carolina flag why do we have all these confederate flags at the fourth of july parade? Uh, you know i think scorsese scorsese is not exactly like a southern writer who like deep down <laughs> celebrates the lost cause or anything like that i think that's just there for a flavor and profile uh you know uh our soon to be introduced private detective has a little soliloquy about how the south survives anything you know sure. including the north and the yankees and that kind of stuff and so it's just all kind of baked in this weird compressed oppressed hot pissed off like it's culture a, like it's, it's, a, it's a hot movie but it is not as sweaty as a time to kill there's nope. some sweat but not as much as that no no and yeah well i, I don't think anything else would be that sweaty <laughs> uh so he confronts max katie at this parade he punches him and the then to further get back at nick nolte uh, the law clerk that we had mentioned, who's, oh, uh, he's never, Nick Nolte has never cheated on his wife with this woman. But he's but fixing he, to. <laughs> and, you, and you could say that he's already like emotionally like cheating on his wife with her because like they've done basically everything but like kiss and have sex. Like they're all over each other when they're together, like they're laughing or flirting. So it's like, it's, it's getting there. Um, so Max Katie singles her out in a bar, charms her, takes her home, and then viciously beats her, like Just bites her shit. cheek off and rapes her. Um, and like, I was like, damn, De Niro is really good at playing just a terrible person in this like part right here. De Niro goes all four, but I want to unpack that later because I've got thoughts. <laughs> uh, so then later, um, and kind of to the point that you mentioned about like victims just being torn apart is Nick Nolte goes to her in the hospital. And he's like, you know, are you, I want you to, we can put this guy away. And she's like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want the people that I work with, the people that come into the court every day to one, know that I like drank too much and went home with a guy, but also to just get put up on that stand and get torn apart. She's like, I don't want to do that. So it kind of speaks to that, like how, they used to get treated back in that day mm -hmm. uh he then hires joe don baker uh who's kursik kursik in this Kursik movie, as a he's a pi former cop now pi to follow him around uh, and basically just get like tabs on him tell him what what he can do to maybe like get rid of him he is just doing a little bit right now he hasn't gotten as fully PI yet, but at the same time, we haven't mentioned yet, um, but they have a daughter in this movie, uh, McNulty does. And it's weird where she's like the first person we actually kind of meet in this movie because it's her like yeah. reciting some like 
She's giving a report or a speech. Uh, yeah, she's in summer school. So that's the one thing we know. She's in summer school because she got caught smoking weed, got in trouble, has to do some classes or something. So she, it starts off with her giving some report. So now in her summer school, uh, her parents are fighting because uh, the wife has found out through this law clerk getting assaulted that she was in love with McNulty and so it's, it brings up past uh, infidelities that McNulty has had. And so while this is all going on, Danielle, the daughter played by Juliette Lewis, gets a call from her, what she thinks is a drama teacher, but is actually Robert Camira, who is impersonating this drama teacher and saying how he's going to meet her in the theater and they're going to go over drama and he plays music for her and stuff like that. So he's grooming her to essentially use her mm-hmm. against her her father it's, it, it's the whole thing is uh well that's something for motion to strike a little later but keep going yeah uh, so then he she goes to the school she meets him he basically manipulates her and seduces her he gets her to smoke pot he kisses her uh she then runs out they find the joint uh, her parents do and so he calls up cursive and he's like what the fuck man like i was paying you to tail him and he got to my daughter at her school and so he then agrees to Kursik's plan where Kursik had already kind of dropped he's like I could just have some guys get rid of him and you know what that would have god damn that would have been a great solution to this movie just like those guys just <laughs> like oh right, he's dead 20 minutes movie right. over sweet uh wow I'm, we resolved that one nicely all right <laughs> you can go back to your somewhat shaky marriage McNulty uh so they uh there was one part where Kirsik was like you ever read Nietzsche and I was like what come on <laughs> but but uh I spoke Zarthura uh <laughs> that, that, I mean that's what Max Katie's reading uh just to like hey, yeah he's like he's he checked it out of us so he hires um these thugs to beat him up but Nick Nolte makes this like dumb decision what like, the fuck? To what like the go fuck? warn him and be like, you better get out of here or something bad's going to happen to you. I'm like, why would uh, you even? That was so stupid because fucking dumb. <laughs> then later he gets beat up by these three guys, but very quickly he turns it on them and beats the shit out of the three of them. Like, I think he kills them, or at least, or, I mean, well, I think I two know. run away and one is still laying there. And I was like, that one got like hit in the back of the head with a pipe. So he might be dead. Yeah. Like, uh, and Nick Nolte also stupidly is there to watch, like goes to the scene to watch it go down. Even and, stupider, just hides behind a goddamn dumpster. Like, like and really turns and kicks some cans. So like Katie knows that he's there, but he's just like, eh, fuck it. Instead, uses all his injuries and the taped threat that he got from him mm-hmm. to get a restraining order. Uh, there's a cool scene where Nick Nolte calls this one really skilled criminal attorney to get a restraining order. He's like, I have to end the conversation. He already talked to me about getting a restraining order, mm-hmm. uh, which it's a nice cameo. This is uh, Gregory Peck from the yeah, original. I've heard of him. Gregory <laughs> yeah. Peck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He's played an attorney once in a while. I think yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. So yeah. he, uh, he, and he plays a very like Southern lawyer, like, oh, thank you sh- judge for this, sh- like, one like very like wise carriage of justice here 
For I say it is below the laws and the morality of the great state of North Carolina to dispense with such indignities and evils without harsh but fair. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm just like, wow, this is just, Gregory Peck is just like, I'm getting a paycheck and you just want me to, like, you want me to riff and just be this guy? All right, oh, I'm yeah. just going to go. I mean, I think I'm he's got go. like, <laughs> which he's got like seersucker and a bow tie on, like he's going all the way. Well, which makes me appreciate the fact, you know, we li- we practice law in the contemporary age, but like 20, 30, 40 years ago, especially, I guess, apparently in the South, there was that caricature of the, I dare say, the indignity <laughs> of, of, and I'm just like, you know what, that kind of looks fun, like a little <laughs> bit. Like if you could just go in there and be like, so I'm about to be an utter horse's ass for the next 90 minutes. Uh, let's just go. Uh, I mean, like even like folks in the you know more enlightened part of the flyover states, uh, we have a little bit more shame to be like, no, nah, I'm not going to fucking do that. Like, <laughs> I'm just not like, yeah. So he, on top of getting the restraining order filed, he also petitions, they mentioned specifically the ADA Ethics Committee for his disbarment, which I was like, okay, I don't want to be that guy, but technically the ADA couldn't really do anything here because the ADA is just like a membership club to be in. They don't actually like have disciplinary, like you would just petition the North Carolina bar at this Mm -hmm. point to get in trouble. Yeah, uh, but whatever, it's not a big deal. Uh, but it does trigger a meeting in the next two days in Raleigh. Like they're gonna get this going right now to see if he needs to be suspended or disbarred or whatever. Yeah, because uh, in my experience, those uh, professional regulatory bodies they always have emergency hearings to like convene yes. the professional <laughs> ethicists. We must sound the horn. Yep. All right, sound the lady justice symbols throw that into the sky <laughs> let us all hop in our lexuses and drive <laughs> a fucking capital which this is like my big confusion with the movie because basically cursing is like all right he just triggered this thing in raleigh he knows that you're going to be gone so what we need to do is fake you going to raleigh come back to the house we'll catch him coming in the house so we have an excuse to shoot and kill him so my whole thing the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, so he faked going to Raleigh. So is he just skipping his hearing? Like, yes. is he just like, is he just like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be disbarred. Fuck it, I don't care. Yeah, no, he skips it. He sneaks out. Uh, he goes through security, and then he must sneak out a side door somehow and get he gets smuggled back into the house in the trunk. Uh, you know, it's him, his wife, the maid, their yes, daughter. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, Jonan Baker, who's there uh, just just to hold court and uh, be ready to shoot someone as they come through the door. I mean, I mean, that the theory is is that uh, you know uh, Robert De Niro is knowing Nick Nolte's out of town is going to come for the wife and kid. Yeah, know, like that's exactly. that's what he's going to do. So Kursik sets up this like fish line system to like every door and window so that he knows when he'll be in the house. Um, it doesn't work because uh, he goes into the kitchen, he sees Graciela, he pours this cocktail of just like Jim Beam and Pepto to like which, keep him going through the night. Which is uh, repulsive on first glance. <laughs> but if you think about it, you're like, I can see the utility. <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, 
He sees Graciela. He sits down. Graciela turns around. It's not Graciela. It's Robert De Niro. In, in drag! Yeah. In drag! And, like, and, like, that is the most horrifying moment of the movie for me is, like, when he just, like, kind of appears. It's like, oh, it's the maid. Nope. It's De Niro dressed as the maid in a wig. And I think he even had makeup on, too. And, well, he uh, even does, like, a Spanish, like, womanly accent. Like, he's uh-huh. like, oh, Graciela. And she's like, ah, see. Like, he, like, even, like, that's, like, a good, like, woman's type voice where you're like, oh, shit. Uh. Well, he, so, is yeah. a, he is an admirer of, I mean, he's an aspiring thespian that we dress together. <laughs> he has a, an appreciation a, for the stage. He is the drama teacher, right? So Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there may have been, like, a, you know, prison production of, uh, you know, All the King's Men or, like, some Shakespeare, and he was, he was probably in there. He's probably Banquo. You know, see him doing, doing like Oklahoma and <laughs> uh so yeah he's he garrots him with piano wire but how he actually kills him is uh jordan baker goes to shoot him and then he makes him shoot himself and it's like a bloody scene like there's a lot of blood in this scene which then there's another really stupid thing that nick nolte does which he was a public defender so that's why i'm like why are you doing this he runs up to jordan baker to like check if he's alive i'm like dude there's a bullet hole in his head yeah, get your hands off of the body. Like, get and then your- he slips in all the blood, and I'm like, dude, you're putting your handprints all over this crime scene now. Yeah, it. Yeah, though, I mean, throw it back at you, though. Say he doesn't get into the blood, and the cops do come to take the body away and investigate, and he gives them, oh, it was Max Katie, even though I didn't see him. I just know. Uh, and the cops are like, so let me get this straight. You faked leaving town mm-hmm. uh, to set a trap for someone that you expect uh, is going to come here and try and hurt your family, and you're there armed with a hired thug and a private investigator to shoot this man. This poses a lot of like legal gray areas. They even talk about it a little bit, being like, "Listen, like you're you can't legally lay a trap. That's not self defense." But at the yeah. same time isn't it like even laying the trap like i mean like if you anticipate this guy coming through to do that and he does like i don't know like uh, that would be one hell of a trial to to pay attention to is if he yeah. got prosecuted for that murder you know uh or negligent homicide for you know Jordan Baker's death. like that'd be fucking fascinating it could be i mean it's different than like the the classic i mean this is super legal and there's stuff i remember from law school like catco where they set up like a spring trap gun, gun. Yeah, trap like, gun, spring gun. Yeah, for non-legal listeners, it's basically a case where they set up a gun for when you open the door and just shoot you. Uh, it shot a guy's leg off, and the guy who got his leg shot off actually ended up winning in a, a judgment against the homeowner because that was like too mu- too dangerous of like a protection essentially to set up your house. There was also other stuff like the level it was at if it opened a child would have hit him directly in the head. Uh, so I, this one is different from that because it wasn't just like as soon as Max Katie hit a window, it would have blown him away because there was like another person there. But it would have been an interesting for sure. Um, so they immediately drive away to Cape Fear River. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> which is a great a, it's, a, it's a real river too. Like that's a real, uh, a real port. You know, there's um, someone who lives in a Cape Fear, like North Carolina. Yeah. Like, this is the town I live in. Like, that's just we're at Cape Fear. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to us with a name like this. Nope, won't be. 
they they get there and you know they think they're away from Katie, but Katie has strapped himself to the underside of their car and just ridden the entire way there. Camp, camp. <laughs> he just gets out and he looks at like the lady who sees him come out from under the car, doesn't say a word, and just walks into the bathroom and just sh- like washes all the dirt off him. Uh, he follows them. They take the houseboat out onto the actual river, and which isn't a bad like we need to chill the fuck out, get away, be safe. You know, no one's swimming up through the river. We will see them coming kind of thing. Like, you're true, safe, right? True. Like, that's the horrifying shit about this. It's like, you're not. Like, no, yeah, yeah. So they, he, uh, Nick Nolte goes out to check because he's like, oh, something came up. I'll, I'll go check it. Goes out there, gets knocked out and uh, tied up by Max Katie, who has pulled himself up onto the boat. He then goes down into the quarters and he prepares to now rape and I'm assuming kill uh, Lee and Danielle, Jessica Lang and Juliet Lewis uh, with Nick Nolte watching through the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then pulls him in. There's a bunch of back and forth from room to room, but at one point, Katie goes to light his cigars that he loves, which he has mentioned at one point. He's like, this is my only vice. I don't you know, I don't drink. I don't do anything else. I only smoke. He does that. Uh, Danielle has stashed lighter fluid in her belt. She pulls it out, sprays it all over him, burns him up super bad. So he runs and jumps off the boat. So into that, a swarm, like a like like a rapid, basically. Yeah, no, no, like a hur. I mean, like the weather. It's like a mild hurricane hitting the state. Like that river is just like swollen up. Like you shouldn't have that boat down there in no. the best of circumstances. And that was the one part where I was like, it is nice to take the boat out because then no one can get to your boat, but it's also a a very big like thunderstorm going right now so maybe you shouldn't um but he uh he comes back on the boat he grabs like some rope that's dragging through the water pulls himself back on uh grabs nick nolte and he starts putting him on a mock trial where i was like you know he's actually referencing actual like trial rules and like oh it's awesome court- it's awesome <laughs> The paper called Samuel G. Boat. Do you swear to tell the truth, nothing about the truth, so help you go? Katie, somebody's got a man in the boat. We're heading into unprotected you water. Swear? I'll do it, Dad. Shit, Danielle. Don't you make light of your shit and get it on and go to the jury. All right, all right. Okay, okay. I swear to tell the truth. What do you want to know? Was a prior sexual history ever prepared connection with my defense? <sighs> Was a prior sexual history ever prepared connection with my defense? Ah! I'm sorry, Your Honor. I agree. That was argumentative. An investigator <laughs> did prepare prior sexual history on the alleged victim. True? I can't ask lead questions, Your Honor. He is a hostile witness. And would you care to tell the court what the gist was of this report? Katie, it was 14 years ago. I can't remember that. I can't remember. Ah! How can he answer when you're hitting him like that? He knows damn well exactly what it said. Don't you? It said that she was promiscuous. It said that she had three different lovers in one month. At least three! At least three! And did you show this report to the DA? No. No. I only discovered half of that position to represent myself. Six years into my sentence, but there it was in the court file. But back in 77, you buried it, counselor. Would you care to tell the jury why? Would you care to tell the court why? 
because I know he brutally raped her and he beat her. Talk to me! I'm staying in here! <laughs> Just because she was promiscuous didn't give you the right to rape her. And you bragged to me that you beat two prior aggravated rapes. You are a menace. You are my lawyer! You were my lawyer! That report would have saved me 14 years! You're probably right. You shall practice love! and I'm guiding you to the gates of hell. We are now in the ninth circle, the circle of traitors. Traitors to country, traitors to fellow man, traitors to God. You, sir, are charged with betraying the principles of our faith. Can you please quote for me the American Bar Association's Rules of Professional Conduct, Canon 7? A lawyer should represent his client. Should jealously represent his client within the bounds of the law. And I find you guilty, counselor. Guilty of betraying your fellow man. Guilty of betraying your country. Guilty of abrogating your oath. Guilty of judging me and selling me out. And with the power vested me by the kingdom of God, I sent you to the ninth circle of hell. Now you will learn about loss. Loss of freedom. Loss of humanity. Now you and I will truly be the same, counselor. Uh, uh, but like, he, yeah. like he did his reading in prison, man. Like, <laughs> I mean, and like I and you know what? Props to him. He didn't see prison as a dead end. It was a chance to learn <laughs> and to improve. And, and he did. He did rehabilitate a little bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, he he like asks him questions and he like hits him with the gun. He's like, I'm sorry, Arnold, that question was legal. And then like <laughs> another point, he's like. You know, I can't ask that. He is being a hostile witness. No, nope, no, nope. I'm sorry, Otto. That is argumentative. Fair enough. <laughs> He's like, you are right. Uh, but uh, they, and this is when we learn about the actual report too, because Katie was like, did you suppress that evidence? And he's like, yes, yeah, she had three lovers in one month and I buried the report. But he, he says, the way that you did it, you, uh, you beat her, you bragged to me about how you got off on another rape case, like, I couldn't live with myself if I let you like walk free or get a light sentence, which it does bring up some sort of like ethical quandaries that some lawyers have to deal with. Um, yeah. yeah, I would think, but uh, obviously let's, a different world now with the promiscuity type of reports that you get. Sure, let's uh, let's table that. Let, let's talk the ethics of Nick Nolte's sure. decision sure. a little later because uh, it's it's rough. Yeah. So. Uh, the storm gets so bad that it like it rocks a huge wave and Katie falls. Uh, Nick Nolte's character beats him up. The two women jump off. Uh, there's handcuffs this whole time that he's been needing to put Nick Nolte on. Nick Nolte then uses it and straps his leg to the boat. And they're flying through. The boat just gets absolutely demolished uh, by a rock that it runs into. And they start to fight, but the the tide and the rush of the river pulls it off the sandbar that they're on, pulls it farther into the river, starts to sink. Obviously, since Max Katie is uh, tied or handcuffed to it, pulls him down. He starts doing this like weird speaking in tongues, starts singing on uh, on Jordan's stormy banks. Like mm -hmm. he's definitely going crazy in his last moments. Uh, he he dies. Uh, we. Then Nick Nolte washes the blood from his hands, but he has like a flash where he thinks he's still alive and sees him in the water. So it's basically left with 
everyone is shaken and yep. they yep. don't know, Shake. like, did he actually die? Or, you know, is anything ever going to be the same for us? And then it ends with that weird how we mentioned it talks with Juliet Lewis at the beginning about a report. It ends with her, like, ending her summer report about Cape Fear. Too. Then it's got this weird zoom in with like the red lens thrown over her to make her look like evil and in her eyes. And I'm like, uh, that was I wrote, I wrote that on my notes. That shit was like, fuck. That was stupid. That's, that, that, I, I don't, what are you doing, Scorsese? What are you doing? I, I wrote in my notes, I was like, so is she still kind of like Robert De Niro? Like the way she was, was like, she, was she in on it somehow? Like, is that, like, it doesn't make sense. Why would you throw the lighter fluid on? None of that, it just doesn't make sense. Like, other than to be like, I need a creepy way to end this out for no rational reason. Like, yeah. I'm not about to, listen, I, I think this is the first time I've ever actually talked shit on Scorsese like, <laughs> on, on a directoral choice. But like, what did you do, man? Oh, God. So that's the end of the movie. Uh, so then for the legal points, you've already mentioned a lot of them in terms of like the promise video, but I think that's the biggest legal point. And then the other points would be um, the ethics thing, I think, in terms of he gets brought in front of an ethics board. Yeah. Um, but, but for what the more ethics question is about suppressing um, yeah, the report. So let's rehash that. So you're a public defender. You get 14-year-old Max Cady, just some hill country, illiterate, you know, like family or snake handlers just you know just white trash comes through uh having being charged with rape and battery so like rape and then deeply beat this woman 16 years old uh you get the case you're working it up it's it's a you know it's another file on your stack as a public overworked public defender Mm -hmm. and you go through it and uh come through and you find her and you know it, it's unclear the, the province of the report i don't know if the cops did it or like he did it or whoever found it first but someone had an interview with the victim and she like kind of laid out her sexual history and apparently by then then standards she was quote-unquote promiscuous which okay and he decides well you know what i'm not gonna no no i'm just gonna negotiate a plea here uh, i'm not gonna lean on this uh i'm gonna negotiate a plea and he does and he actually gets the rape charge dropped uh which he points out like that could have actually at the time gotten you a death sentence in north carolina mm-hmm. you know like i got you battery like you did 14 years like that's a long stretch but you know like fine and he and, you know in nick nolte's defense in addition to like hey you still got him a good deal uh, also have a shit bag client who uh, you know, had gleefully like bragged about raping and beating women several times before, right? And so, so like morally, you see that and be like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try and make hay out of this woman's promiscuity, which even then would still technically be a long shot to like acquit his client. He would just be like destroying this woman on the stand. He, he would just be compounding the hurt that her, her, you know, attacker already did. And so, like, you can appreciate the moral, like, position he may have been in at that time. 
But then there's the ethical duty. It's like, well, you're a public defender, so you've got to give your client, quote unquote, the best, you know, zealous defense within the bounds of the law possible. And he definitely didn't do that. You know, that is actionable. Like to like, quote unquote, bury something like that is an actionable offense. It's just a shame uh, Max Katy learned how to read in prison and went about <laughs> his own appeal and found that shit. Uh, so it is a quandary because you can both celebrate him, but also like abhor him at the same time. And yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, it's messed up. I mean, he really does. He's dead to rights on it. So like, he, he... yeah, I mean, the, the, the ethical consideration here, like, <clears throat> and I'm fully, I'm going to plagiarize a bit from five, four pod on this. Uh, one of their hosts is a public defender and talked about a little bit about this in terms of uh, the Nestle case, because they talk about like lawyers choosing what clients they get to defend. And I think that there's a good difference that you can mark there where you're like a corporate attorney and not just like a corporate associate, but like a corporate partner or a corporate shareholder or someone who doesn't need to take on clients to continue working. You get to pick and choose your clients. And as a public defender, you don't get to do that. Like you get what comes to you and you get what walks through the door. And you do take an oath to zealously advocate for your client. And I, I do believe that, you know, he did violate his ethics here by not including everything that he could. Um, obviously, does it warrant what Max Katie has against him? No, not in the slightest. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but, and does it, you know, warrant... Um, him getting some sort of like disbarment. Granted, that's not what he was going in front of the ethics committee for. I would say, morally, I would say no because of what, um, how times have changed on like, like when I said, when I said she had three lovers in one month, that was like big fucking whoop. Um, mm. So I, I don't know. I understand like by the letter of the like ethics law, yes, he probably did. Morally, uh, no, because in my opinion, if I was, the judge or the jury on that, I'd be like, I don't care. If she had three lovers in one month, that would make a difference. Well, but that's the that's the damnedest thing about these ethics. It's it's uh, they're supposed to apply universally. It's not about <laughs> a case by case situation. So, like, put it into this case, like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, a, a comparable parallel. Say you're a public defender, so you take what walks through the door. You get a drug dealer. Say, you know, you know, you know, and he's even told you that this drug dealer has been selling meth and pleasures himself on hooking, like getting people addicted to meth or heroin. And you, you know, people who've, who've been affected by it, you know, like you're like doing that. And, you know, there is uh, some evidence showing that the, that the warrant the cops got for this particular meth bust was invalid. They shouldn't have been there. You can, you can, you can get them off. But you know that this guy's plans, as soon as he gets off on this technicality, is continue to inflict that kind of harm and pain on people. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I understand. Is there a moral compunction there? I mean. There would be, but I I, I do think that that example that you gave is like, it's like the, the example that people give where it's like, what about if it's like the most terrible person and they have no like way of redeeming themselves? And it's like, I understand, but how often do you encounter that is like would be my like retort to that. Cause like, you know, and, and granted, I'm not a legal scholar, I'm pretty dumb. Uh so wonder I got through law school. 
but uh I, I i have a hard time envisioning like where like the people that you are defending are like the most irredeemable type of people unless it's like the people that like you like read murder podcasts about sort of thing yeah yeah because like, i would say most drug dealers are like i'm doing this because i need fucking money man yeah. like i'm not yeah. doing this because i'm like trying to hook people on drugs like i got fucking rent and i got kids and i got payments i gotta make sort of thing they're servicing a market in a yeah tough labor market all right good for them no no no. Like, I, i'm just saying like no i understand like that in that ethical, like sort of like quandaries yeah. that you get with it and i don't know in reality the smart way around that for a nick nolte character in this be like oh that wasn't uh, i didn't bury that uh i figured it was a better strategic decision to not go forward with that and get the plea i thought that was a better strategic decision and then everyone would just wash their hands back oh well yeah you probably should have done this other thing but that's a strategic decision you know true, uh, true. fine but move on uh let's all uh let's all go uh play a quick nine uh down <laughs> at the club yes um so yeah but getting into our next session you mentioned already that you have some stuff for this but your motion to strike uh, motion to strike man okay i don't like juliet lewis and i never have whenever she's and here's the thing. I love so many movies that she's been in where she's had a like key role, but I just can't stand her. And like Scorsese's is doing this weird, like he's trying to like cultivate some sexual tension to like raise the stakes. Sure. But also like, I think he's just trying to like fuck with you as the viewer too, of like this like 16 year old and like, you know, uh, and Robert, De Niro or like really like there's a tension there and establish that and but I don't know like it, it, it doesn't I didn't... work it doesn't it, it okay I'm not gonna say it doesn't work I think there's too much of it if that makes sense mm -hmm. like it it really draws out those scenes longer than they need to be to hit not only the plot point but the thematic point at a certain point you're just kind of rolling in the grossness of it which if that's an artistic choice fine then just don't use Julie Lewis because she sucks. Like I, it's not that I like love Juliet Lewis, but I I don't particularly like not enjoy her when on it. I will say um, she got I didn't know that she was nominated for best supporting actress for this movie for an Academy Award. Oh fuck uh, off! Okay, I need to look at who else was nominated. For and this. Jesus, uh, I do think in this period she is, in my opinion, a very good actress at playing like that teenage angst in this age that she was at like i i very much believe that she is like an angsty hates her parents teenager oh, yeah she but, had a run for those like four years man she had a run but i do agree that like and i understand like her getting seduced by robert janeiro's character but what i didn't like is the insertion of her at the beginning and the end of the movie where it's yeah, hard like, to like reinsert her as like the main character i'm like i we haven't really focused on her like i don't see her as the main yeah. interest here well, uh, it, one it, thing that is really gross real quick just to point out um looking at the awards for this movie this got nominated for best kiss at the mtv movie awards between juliet lewis and robert de niro what the fuck was going on in 1991 man okay that's I don't know what to do with that. Though, I'd like to point out, too, though, while we're on the subject of MTV, there are multiple instances where Juliet Lewis is watching MTV. In fact, she's watching a music video from Guns N' Roses's uh, Use Your <laughs> Illusion 1 or 2, I forget, but it's uh, playing Patience at, while her parents are arguing in the next room over. But 
this movie does not run away from making of the moment pop cultural references. <laughs> They're at a movie with an which at the time was very popular, but in retrospect is very stupid and very forgettable problem child. Uh, her GNR music video. At one point, uh, Max Cady makes a reference to uh, uh, you know some uh, you know some late '80s pop song that Juliet Lewis like laughs at me like, "Oh, he's cool. I know that reference." Like it's like Scorsese's, which is interesting because Scorsese's is not the type to date his subject matter with references. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can't. You know, well, unless well. Then again, Goodfellas is all about references, but it's still uh, within a certain time frame. That it's, yeah, it's like a time piece, basically. Yeah, yeah. That, there's, so there's a difference because, like, this is a modern movie that he made. You know, he hasn't, he didn't do that with, uh, you know, in the. It's department. not, it's not a retelling of like the '60s period of like gangsters or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Like in The Departed, like which came out in like '06 or '07. You know, you don't yeah. have someone referencing Panic at the Disco or some <laughs> shit. You know, like it's like no, this is a timeless story, regardless of the setting. But uh, so, yeah, no, I think those that tension, like it, it's it's part of the plot. It has to be. And that's important. And it's just reduce the scenes and or maybe recast it. I just don't I've just never been a Julia Lewis fan. Uh, she's always just she offers nothing other than just sort of like a weird. Like, you know, unscarved block that you just kind of project on, you know, I, I, I just don't think she's very good just never really enjoyed her presence and i never thought she was particularly funny or or commanding as an actress so especially Man, in very powerful is, roles the feud is on yeah no, no i'm shit no yeah I'll, I'll shit on her yeah i'm sorry like uh, come at me so i mean that that kind of i already kind of mentioned mine i just didn't really like the the beginning and end, the very beginning and ending of this framing through her mind because it just it was like in then like not even addressed and then at the end brought back up right i just it, i had forgotten that that was even like what we were viewing it through at the beginning mm -hmm. um but moving on to our final judgments for the movie um does this movie pass the bar we score the movies from zero to 100 if it's over 50 it passes the bar if it's under it doesn't spencer what was your score uh does this movie pass the bar for you well, I'm not about to bet against my man Martin. Uh, like this is a, this is a ninety, easily. Like I mean, okay. despite my despite my quibbles, like it's a classic. Uh, yeah, and the legal and moral issues that involve he does it actually a good job of like not beating you over the head of it. He just sets the stakes for like, well, he's an attorney. I I can't do this or this. Like like it's really good. Like it does a good job of exploiting the the like gray areas of the law and the conflicts that they could create in this extreme situation. And uh, also the music kicks ass, the cinematography's awesome, like the escalation, even though, yeah, I mean, maybe this is more of a modern bias, but it seems a little protracted, but like it develops the tension so well. Mm -hmm. uh, and like the special effects and the makeup, like the blood and the bruising and all that stuff, like when it gets violent and when it comes to blows and different things, like it's real. It is a very, as absurd or intense of a premise as this is, once it's portrayed, it's not portrayed in terms of, you know, like epic good or evil or things like that. It's very human and very real and very broken knuckles and like split eyebrows and just, you know, bloody torsos. It's like, it's, 
man, it's graphic as fuck. So like, be careful, listener. Uh, but no, it's great. I'll give it a 90. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I'm coming in just ahead of you. I'm going to give this a 92. Uh, is, that, is that your high here? That's tied for my highest. That is tied with the verdict. Uh, and I love this movie. I really do. I mean, this, Martin Scorsese really shows how you do a remake because. Okay, good take. That's a good he take. He does a wonderful job of giving homage to Alfred Hitchcock in this movie, but still making it his own. Like I mentioned, the diopter shots the different types of tracking that's used in this movie. The score is really a throwback to Hitchcock, but it's his own at the same time. It just, uh, it's so good. Robert De Niro is, God, he's so good at just being a he fucking, fucking goes crazy for person. Yeah. Uh, one thing I looked up about this, um, so one, Nick Nolte is naturally taller than Robert De Niro. He's 6'1", and Robert De Niro's 5'9". So what they did was, was they made Nolte lose weight and then De Niro said he literally just worked out until he couldn't anymore so that he would have looked like he was in the movie. He paid a dentist $5,000 to grind down his teeth so that he would look more like messed up for this role. Then when he was done, he went back to a dentist and paid him $20,000 to recap all his teeth and put him back. But ah. I was like, God damn, that's dedication. So like, just that's that. the method, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, uh, 92 for me, I think this movie's great. I do want to ask, would this movie have changed at all in your scores or how you would have thought if this differences would have done? Because I have a couple notes here. Uh, one, uh, while Nick Nolte was the uh, ultimate person who played Sam Bowden, the first person that Scorsese had in mind was Harrison Ford. Ooh. I think it's better. But... Uh... But Harrison Ford said he would do the movie only if he got to play Max Cady. No. I think that wouldn't have worked as well. Yeah, no, I, and he's, honestly. He's too, like, he's too, like, he's always the good guy and the, like, like the maybe mean but likable guy. Where I'm like, I couldn't take him as, like, just a terrible person like De Niro can just do so well. Yeah, and De Niro, like, I'll be honest, like, this is probably one of the, it might be the only De Niro movie that I watch where, oh, he's not doing De Niro, if that makes yeah, sense. For like, sure. where, you no, don't, yeah. where you don't, like, like, like I don't he's think not, that. He's not doing, it's, like, the it's gangster. It's not De Niro, De Niro doing a gangster or criminal or whatever. It's like, or no, a wise this, guy. Is, this is Max Katie. Like, he is just that fucking, like, it's really hard for someone like De Niro to, to lose himself to the viewer in a role where you forget that it's him, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not because it's prosthetics or makeup or anything like that. Well, save for the grinded down teeth, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but like, I mean, he just does it. Whereas Nick Nolte is extremely Nick Nolte in this movie. Oh, like, yeah. Also, at one, I'd just like to point out, at one point, Nick Nolte was people's sexiest man alive, which I'm just Oh, like, he used to be a, like, a big sex symbol. Yeah, no, no. There was just, I was just like, God damn, we all had some daddy issues back <laughs> in the late, in the early 90s, man. But, uh... Yeah, no, no, like, but Harrison right. Ford as Nolte would have been awesome. I think he would have played it much more subtle and more intense. Some, some so- other ones okay. that they almost had here, too, though. Uh, so here's right. two. I'll give you two. For the part of Danielle Bowden, which I think this would have been an ultimate just improvement for you because you don't like Julia Lewis, 
Sox. First audition was Drew Barrymore. Second audition was Reese Witherspoon. Ooh, either would have been an upgrade. <laughs> no, no, because both have more presence and charm and, and ability. Uh, easily, yeah, easily. Uh, uh, especially at that point, Drew Barrymore would have been really interesting because it would have also captured the weird, uh, you know, Lolita kind of like child bride uh, tension that she was already living that in the tabloids. That was her real life, yeah. Yeah, that was kind uh, of her thing. Okay, so then this last one, the originally this was supposed to be directed also by Steven Spielberg and uh, Martin Scorsese was supposed to direct Schindler's List and they essentially just traded. Uh, Scorsese didn't want to direct Schindler's List anymore so Spielberg said, I want to go do that. Will you take Cape Fear from me? But when Spielberg was directing Cape Fear, he wanted Bill Murray to portray Max Cady. Okay. Okay. So not only, <laughs> not only do I have to reimagine this movie as directed by Spielberg, <laughs> but with Bill fucking Murray as I'm kind of interested by that because like, as we've, I think mentioned on this podcast before, like some, most comedians have a real darkness inside well, them. And Murray could do it. I think he's demonstrated range. He couldn't do it as well as De Niro did, no, but it wouldn't be so. the same movie because Spielberg would have been a different. Yeah. It wouldn't have been nearly as a psychological thriller. Uh, it would have been more of like a sweeping epic or like action type movie. Yeah, or like a good, like the good guys end up winning and you walk out of there feeling good about it. Yeah. Whereas Scorsese's like, everyone's going to walk out of this. Yes, yes. Uh, now, I'm really glad it shook out the way it did because the alternative universe of that is that Schindler's List is directed by Scorsese's. And <sighs> I, don't think I can, like, with... It's already breaking enough, like... Yeah, man, like, like, Scorsese, oh, no, that's terrible. That actually could have killed Scorsese's career. People would be like, Jesus, dude, that's too much. Like, <laughs> you just went for it. Like, maybe we shouldn't be making movies about the Holocaust, apparently. Good God. Right? <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, a fair question, too. <laughs> but... So, so, getting into our trying to... Uh, session that we do on everyone what kind of person would x character be in law school i wrote down four this makes i think there's like four types of legal people um starting off with the easiest one sam bowden nick nolte what do you think he would have been like uh you know we see him 20 some years into the practice of law and Mm -hmm. having switched careers a little bit i don't think he's remarkable at all i don't i think he's just like a dude like just I think guy. he's just a dude. He just gets through it. It's like, it's a trade. It's a profession. I get through it. And then he lands himself at the public defender's office. Uh, it's like, well, it's a state job, steady hours, good pay, or not good pay. It's, it's pay, <laughs> but it's like good benefits. It's, it's pay. <laughs> it, it's pay. And then he just goes from there. So yeah, I don't, I think like you may like him if you enjoy talking about sports with him or you know, music or whatever, but and then, he's not exactly a dynamo. Like no one ever thinks about their law school students like oh yes he was talented no 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 no. i mean he's kind of a hack i think the movie establishes that uh the next one that i'm actually kind of think i i would group the next two together uh so first one being tom broadbent played by fred thompson uh i kind of see him almost as the same 
in law school, at least, as Lee Heller played by Gregory Peck. Like, I think they both kind of are like the old school Southern gentleman type of law. I think they both went to like Duke or UNC. And it was back when like law school was like 20 people in the whole class and mm -hmm. everything was written and you actually had to read the books and like they're just like there's a correct way of doing things and that's the only way we do things around here like in yeah. law school and in practice i can see them uh being compatriots or classmates and i can see fred thompson being an affable likable but mediocre member i mean he's in practice with nick nolte at this point whereas yeah. gregory peck uh his law school person is he's Atticus Finch he's young Atticus Finch. I'm sorry really? like I mean, yeah no no like he just is like I mean like the way he does it like that's just his his vibe that's just his his energy uh that's just the way it is uh yeah I, I'm not about to have anyone sully Gregory Peck here I'm no. just not gonna do it no he does strike me as a guy who like maybe he does have a big firm but he also seems like the guy who would just have his own solo firm at oh, he doesn't time. need, yeah, he, he's, yeah, like, like, listen, like, anyone with money who has been arrested or have family arrested, I'm your guy, and I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm gonna battle, and I'm gonna lose more than I win, because that's the nature of criminal defense, like, there, there's a reason people get arrested, it's because oftentimes they, they did it, I'm sorry, but, yeah. Uh, so the last one, he didn't go to law school, but he did get a legal education, Max Cade, what do you think Jesus. he would have been like in law school with you? And how terrified would you be of this man? Uh... Here's the thing. I think there's a part of him, like, if there wasn't the whole, like, criminal record, I mean, he would have been dangerously charming in law school. Because, like, the way he oh, speaks yes. and the way he can manipulate people, like, he would have been able to get on a lot of people's good graces but it all would have been for a bad things. Well, you know, and it's strange because I never, I didn't attend law school with any sociopaths. <laughs> yeah, law school notoriously <laughs> does not attract sociopaths. Yeah, no, I've never encountered that in the field after law school either. <laughs> uh, no, he, you're abs you're spot on. Like, like, so like, imagine a different world for Max Cady where <laughs> instead of, instead of getting arrested and charged for rape when he's living out in the fucking you know, the boonies and the hills, like, you know, handling snakes, he ends up getting an education and, you know, getting to law school. And, you know, that part of his brain is engaged. That guy has no quit. That guy has no quit. And he's got an actual intellect. But beyond that, he's clever. He was clever before he was smart. So he would become a brutally effective attorney. He would not... Mm -hmm. I don't think he'd become a prosecutor. He'd look at that and be like, oh, what's, what's the payout? Like, I'm not, he may be vindictive, but he's not vindictive like that. I think he would be, he would be a scary, scary, just big, big law, civil lit litigation defense type <laughs> attorney. Like, I mean, scary, like the kind of person who, when he steps out of the elevator, the whole floor just sort of perks up a little bit and is like, fuck, he's here. Okay. <laughs> Like that, I uh, like, yeah, just, yeah. And he would have kept the long hair too. He would have done that. For sure, yeah. for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I had for his hair. I don't know if there's any other characters that you had. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I just, 
you know, man, Scorsese. This is any any final thoughts on the movie before we head out? Other than <clears throat> this is like the fourth or fifth time I've seen it, uh, and it gets better each time. It's it so really good. does. It, it because it's so well crafted. The first two times you watch it, you're watching it for the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. But after that, it it's just about the detail and the characterization. And holy hell, like I love how Scorsese uh, shoots water. I love how <laughs> I love how he does it. Like like the water is an underdeveloped character in this in this movie, but like he's he's got a great eye for it. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, my final thoughts would just be like, I've already said a ton. I love this movie. It's an awesome movie. It's intense. There's a lot of very violent scenes and descriptions, but if you have not seen it, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, mm -hmm. And I believe if you have the Stars app, it is free on there. Yep, free on Stars and. Uh... Uh, $4 rent on Apple TV if you are so inclined. There you go. So, yeah, I would suggest going to see it, but from myself and Spencer, remember never talk to the cops, never go to law school, and none of this is legal advice. Amen. <laughs>